What's up, everybody? It's Purposely Offside here. I'm Anthony. Long time no see. I'm solo here, by myself. And I'm here for a little bit of a rant. So stay tuned. Alright, let's fire this up. Got a lot I want to say. And let's get right to it. Uh, the Leafs. We're back in action, as we all know. NHL restart. Um, and they're out. Yeah, it's, it started and the, and the Leafs are out. Fantastic. Awesome. So we're gonna bra- I'm going to break down how exactly that happened. Why it happened and kind of evaluate everything. So let's start by saying great job by the NHL. Uh, everything seems to be flowing nicely. No positive tests in the bubble. Bubble seems to be working out fantastic. Only curveball I see so far is the, I don't know, eight-hour game that was played last night by Columbus and Tampa Bay. But it was awesome. Loved, loved every minute of it. So great job with the restart. Leafs. Face the Blue Jackets of Columbus in the play-in series. Play-in series. Let's clarify that for a second. It's not a playoff. It's a play-in. All right. So when I hear comments from the Leafs today on Wednesday, August twelfth, they had their the Leafs had their media availability day. When I hear comments like "We can't figure out the first round," you never were in the first round, guys. You're in a play-in. You didn't make the playoffs. All right, so let's let's just let's get that straight. You didn't make the playoffs. This this is a five it's this is not like any other series in any other playoff in NHL history. They're usually seven game series. This is a five game play in series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You guys lost in five. Didn't make it. So let's break down the series. What happened? Well, from from my point of view, and from a lot of people's point of view, we didn't score. That's just a that's that's not even a view. That's just a reality. The Leafs didn't score. The Leafs got outscored ten to three in five on five play. That's right. The talented Leafs, as talented as they are, because it's you know it's been well documented. This is a talented group of players. They scored three five-on-five goals. That's it. So we couldn't score. And when you don't score, you ain't going to win. And we all know Columbus is a defensive juggernaut. They like to clog the middle of the ice. They play very boring hockey, but to the credit of Columbus and John Tortorella, that's their style. And they adapt that style based on the players they have. So kudos to them. They did a good job playing their style of hockey. 
Right. Now, game one started, and you saw that the Columbus Blue Jackets were playing their style of hockey. And in game one, unfortunately, the Leafs didn't play their style of hockey. The Leafs' style of hockey is to win games 5-3, They play, typically, offensive-minded hockey. And they really bring it to their opponent offensively. Defensively, eh. They don't show up defensively often. This is what we've seen throughout the Leafs in the 2019-2020 season. Defense is not the main priority. So that's the Leafs' offensive. That's the Leafs' style. They're offensive. First game, game one, they didn't bring it offensively. They tried to play the shutdown game, the 0-0 hockey game. And although I love seeing Toronto trying to play that kind of hockey, you need goals before you play defensive. Go up 1 or 2 nothing, then play defensive hockey. But with this group, it seems like they go up 1 or 2 nothing or 3 nothing in the case of Game 3, and then they forget about the defense altogether. So it's the timely defense that this... Leafs team has trouble with. Right, so game one, no offense. 3 nothing shutout. Game two, much of the same, but luckily, um, you know, our guy, Austin Matthews, scores a goal. And that's how you have to play against... You, you got to get up on Columbus. Because as soon as you get up on Columbus... They are forced out of this defensive style that they like to play. And they have to open up a little bit as a team because they need to, I mean, them themselves, the Columbus Blue Jackets, need to score if they're trailing. We didn't do that often in this series. In fact, we only did it twice. We did it in Game 2 and we did it in Game 3. Toronto had to go play with leads in this series. Because at 0-0, that favors Columbus. And that was obvious in this play-in series. 0-0 will always favor Columbus. Just based on their style of play. So game two, the Leafs win. Game three was, I mean, heartbreaking, but it's nothing that we're not used to as Leaf fans. We've gone through worse. All right. If you're a Leaf fan, you, you've, you've built up a high tolerance of pain that can be inflicted on you. All right. So that was no surprise. We all felt the ice shift a little bit after the Leafs went up 3-0. And ultimately, Columbus comes back and wins 4-3 in overtime. Game 4. I mean... Just a special moment in Leafs history. Down in the dumps. Down three goals with four minutes left to go. We Bostoned another team. We came back, scored three unanswered, four unanswered actually, to win the game. Austin Matthews with the OT winner. We were on cloud nine. Leaf fans were so happy because it felt like this team had one of those victories that 
every Stanley Cup contender or team that goes deep into the playoffs has. That moment when they're down and out, but storm back because they're resilient and don't want to go home. And that's what we thought Game 4 was for Toronto, right? It was that game that was supposed to turn this weird season from day one, right from October, right from the firing of Babcock, bringing in Keefe, um, you know, on the cusp of missing the playoffs. I think when the season paused, we were only up by three points on Florida. Weird season all around. A lot of inconsistencies with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But game four showed that, hey, maybe this, this team is for real. Maybe this team has learned how to play in a series... Maybe they have figured out the Columbus Blue Jackets. They came back, they won the game. Columbus was shocked because they thought they had it in the bag. And you had your the, the fans of Toronto were so happy because they thought the Leafs, we thought the Leafs figured it out. And we're going to use that momentum in Game 5 and win the play-in series in Game 5 to go on and face the Tampa Bay, Blue Jets, or T- Tampa Bay Lightning. Sorry, Didn't happen. Sunday night comes along, and you saw a zero-goal performance by your Toronto Maple Leafs. By our Toronto Maple Leafs. Shut out again. They're shut out in Game 1. And shut out in Game 5. Trouble scoring again. Now let's like I'm gonna break down game five because there's a lot of things I didn't like in that game. I'm not sure how uh, everyone else feels about this, but uh, as soon as I saw the line of Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and Austin Matthews, I didn't didn't like that. I don't like the idea of putting all your firepower on one line. And I get what Keith's trying to do. He's he's trying to get an early goal. I get it. Speaks to my earlier point. You want to get a lead on Columbus because they love playing the 0-0 hockey game where they can grind you down. But I didn't like it. Because the Leafs with those three big names, Marner, Tavares, and Matthews, you can spread those guys you can spread those guys up up. Spread the wealth a little bit and create two very dynamic lines, two top lines to be a threat to score in a hockey game. Well, by putting them all on one line, they basically put all their eggs in one basket. And as the night went on, as the game went on in game five, we saw that that's exactly how it played out. They were the only line that were effective, the only line that were creating. And as a result, they were the only line that was really a threat all night against Columbus. No one else produced. The other reason I didn't like Marner, Tavares, and Matthews on the same line together is because you had William Nylander playing second-line center. William Nylander is not a center. He's a winger. And he was centering a line along with Hyman, that had no 
momentum. They had no offensive firepower, no creativity. They were no threat in that game. The second line of Toronto was no threat. So if you're going up and up, up against a defensive juggernaut, you are basically a one. You're you're asking a one line team to go out and beat a very organized and structured defensive team, who also has a good goalie, by the way. Shout out to uh, Jonas Corposalo. Great performance against the Leafs. Also a great performance last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 87 saves. So that wasn't effective and that wasn't an effective game plan by Sheldon Keefe. Which speaks to my next point. I think we saw in this play-in series that Keefe is a rookie coach. And I'm not going to be too hard on Sheldon Keefe. He's a rookie coach. And he made a rookie mistake that night. He shouldn't have put all his offensive firepower in one line. I can understand why he did it. Doesn't mean I agree with it. Now, do I think Sheldon Keefe should be fired? No, this guy hasn't even had a full season with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was a weird year with the pandemic and COVID-19. Sheldon Keefe obviously is not on the hot seat because he just got here. And he'll learn from that. Terrible lineup decisions against Columbus in Game 5. Another bad decision was taking out Nick Robertson and putting on Andreas Janssen, a guy who didn't hasn't played any hockey since January, since b- b- before the uh, NHL went on pause. And I thought Nick Robertson played a very good four games in that play-in series against Columbus. He even got a goal. So a couple bad line decisions or lineup decisions by Sheldon Keefe, but he's not the one I'm going to harp on here. What happened to the Leafs, um, it's unfortunate because to be honest, I, I, I did feel like they played some pretty, some pretty good hockey. In this series. They didn't score. But they played some pretty good hockey. If you watch the tape. If you watch the games. They had they had the puck the whole game. Their, their stats. In terms of puck possession. Was, were, it was great. Game 5. They had the puck a lot. This team seems to struggle though. Keeping the puck when they have a lead. Because if you notice. Whenever they're behind. Or whenever it's 0-0. They tend to have the puck a lot. Sorry, whenever the opposition team is in the lead. So in this case, Columbus, whenever they're in the lead or it's 0-0, Toronto has the puck a lot. Whenever Toronto is in the lead, and you can look back on the video in game three, when Toronto's in the lead, they don't have that offense, that offensive um, possession anymore. It's like they get scared of their own game. But in this series, because I know the Leafs defense takes a lot of heat, rightfully so. They're not deep enough. They have a lot of guys that are playing in their top four that are typically in the 6-7 position on any other team in the league. But let's give the Leafs a little bit of credit in terms of 
The amount of goals they let in this series, which was 12, two of them empty netters. It's an average of two goals per game. The Leafs didn't score. So you really got to look at the lineup decisions and the style of play with the Leafs. A lot of it was perimeter. And yeah, a lot of it, a lot of that is kudos to the way Columbus plays. But we can harp on the defense all we want. And yes, this defensive core needs to be restructured. It's needed that for a while. It's needed that for the last two seasons. Our defense isn't good enough. Jake Muzzin goes down in game three, really exposes our lack of deep, lack of depth uh, on the defense. Total lack of depth on the defense. Morgan Riley had a solid series. At times, I couldn't tell what position he was playing. Was he a right wing? Was he a center? Was he a defenseman? He was everywhere in the ice. And I mean that in the good way when I say he was everywhere. He, tr- he gave it his all. He really did. Kudos to Morgan Riley. But guys like Cody Ceci, guys like Martin Marincin, ain't going to cut it. Today, Kyle Dubas points at the fact that Cody Ceci's metrics, his analytics internally reflect his value defensively. And I guess we can just throw in what he's getting paid. His metrics reflect the worth of his contract. Mind you, Cody Ceci, who if you also look at some of the tape and some of the highlights, had some passes to absolutely no one, and also missed the net by a country mile. Cody Ceci is not a good defenseman. But the Leafs still continue to value him, just like the Leafs continue to value to value Martin Merchant, which I, for the love of God, I don't understand. So instead of keeping it real today and, and, and you know, Dubis, you know, you want to hear him say that the team needs some work. The defense needs to be restructured. But instead you hear Cody Cece's analytics show that he is a valuable defenseman. He's not. He sucks. He's horrible. He's not a good defenseman. So if you want to improve this hockey team, you got to get rid of guys like Cody Cece and you got to get rid of guys like Martin Marincin. They're just not good enough. You look at Tyson Berry. Boy, did we ever lose that trade. Tyson Berry for Nazem Kadri. Well, I think the exact trade was Tyson Berry and Alexander Kerfoot for Nazem Kadri. I think a draft pick might have been included in that. Boy, did we ever lose that trade. I would do, we would do, Leafs Nation would do anything to have Nazem Kadri back in this lineup. Can you imagine a Leafs team where your three centers down the line were Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Nazem Kadri. Well, we had that at one point. Still lost to Boston. But that's because Nazem Kadri decided to... Well, we all know what happened. He suspended his way out of the series. Twice. But Nazem Kadri was a great leaf, great player, and is the exact same player 
the media and the Leafs talk about that they need. They need a guy like Nazem Kadri. Because let's face it, there's all this talk. The Leafs need to get tougher. I agree. But getting tougher as a team does not mean that signing guys like Kyle Clifford, who are always going to play, especially in a playoff game, five to six minutes max, that's not really how you that's not really how you get tougher as a team, is it? You need guys that can fit in in your top six or you, hell top nine to be a little more aggressive and a little more physical. And that's why Nazem Kadri fits the mold perfectly because he had skill and grit and it's hard to find those guys. You look around the league and you watch a lot of the play-in series in the first round right now and you notice a lot of guys, a lot of teams, sorry, have guys in their top six or let's just say their top three lines and they have a combination of being gritty and skilled. That's what you need in today's NHL. Skill alone is not going to cut it. And that's why Mitch Marner gets lost in some games because when the game gets too physical he simply can't keep up he's a great player don't get me wrong but the Leafs have too many of the same player William Nylander William Nylander ain't gonna throw the body John Tavares he gets in the corners but he ain't that physical Austin Matthews I can honestly say I'm getting a little more impressed with his physical style of place finally starting to use the body The only guy the Leafs have that fits that criteria, gritty and skilled, is Zach Hyman. And he's not really that skilled. Go watch the New York Islanders play. Heck, go watch the Columbus Blue Jackets play. Go watch a lot of these teams playing in the top 16 right now. And you'll notice they have a lot of those guys that fit that mold. Skill and grit. Nick Foligno is a good example. Sean Corrali on Boston is a good example. These are guys that the Leafs need to fill into their team going forward. And when we say the Leafs need to get tougher, it's not just about, okay, let's go sign some bum and insert him in our fourth line and he plays five minutes a night. It's about looking at your roster right now and understanding that having a line with Marner, Matthews, and Tavares, or Marner, Matthews, and Hyman... Or Marner, Matthews, and whoever, Mikheyev. When you're looking at creating your team and you're looking at creating your lines on your team, you got to have someone on these lines that's going to be willing to dig for the puck and hit the body. And that's why I like the line of Austin Matthews, Zach Hyman, and Mitch Marner. Because you got Hyman in there. Hyman's a kind of guy that's going, not going to shy away from that physical play but can provide the physical play to uplift those skilled players on his line. So, going into Game 5, I'm not sure why Keefe wouldn't put Hyman with Matthews and Marner because they need that little bit of grit on their line. And they need to have depth in their lineup, so they need John Tavares, a true center, to play with William Nylander. So the Leafs got to look for that going forward in the offseason. Because right now, this model that they have just ain't cutting it. That's not. It's not good enough. Today, like I mentioned earlier, the Leafs had their, I guess, end of season 
uh, Zoom calls with the media. I already referred to some of the comments of Kyle Dubis about Cody Cece. This comment really, really says a lot about the team. It maybe says a lot about the mindset of the group because I can't really wrap my head around it. But today, Mitch Marner said the following quote, and I quote, The first game I wasn't engaged at all in the physicalness of play at all. And then from that point on, I felt like I got a lot more engaged in playing as my old self. But zero goals isn't going to get the job done. End quote. Mitch Marner actually said today that he was not engaged in game one. How are you not engaged in game one? You've been off since March 13th. It's a play-in game to get into the playoffs. It's game one. How are you not engaged? In a game one, you are setting the tempo for the series. What do you need to get engaged? You got the money. You got $11 million. You can't not be engaged. You need to be engaged. I don't even know why you said that. Lie or something. You're not engaged? This is your career. This is the this is a play-in series to get into the playoffs. How are you not engaged? Now to me, that's a mindset thing. And I like Mitch Marner. I think he's a great player. I think he's a very, very good player. And no, I wouldn't trade him. But it showed, But that comment right there, Mitch Marner, one of their best players on the team. Arguably, some people said some people would have said last year was their team MVP. He's a maestro. He's a great passer, great playmaker. How are you not engaged in game one? What do we have to do to get you engaged? So if Mitch Marner's not engaged... It just, I mean, it just allows me to think, like, are, are other players not engaged? Is, is Matthews not engaged? Matthews played like he was engaged. But if one of your top players in Mitch Marner is not engaged, it just allows me to question the rest of the group. Who else is not engaged? Is, is, is Nylander engaged? So that, that, those comments from Mitch Marner, it's all I got to hear. It says a lot about the group. It really does. You had four months off by the time training camp started. You play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mitch Marner, you're actually from the area. You're an Ontario boy. How are you not engaged? I don't understand that. I don't get it. Boggles my mind. It really does. I, I not engaged. Then Eat Marner says, We want to be known as a team that plays every single night as hard as we can and makes it hard on other teams, end quote. Well, how can you do that if you're not engaged? And stop saying this stuff because it's the same thing every year. The Leafs say the same thing ever since they've been eliminated from Washington. The same thing every year. Oh, we want to be a good team. We want to be a great team. We want to be this team, that team. I want to be this. I want to be that. We'll go out and do it. 
And you're not going to be a team that plays hard every single night if you're not engaged. Get engaged. I don't know what else needs to be given to you to be engaged in a playoff game. Sorry, in a play-in game. Correction. So that says a lot to me about the group. So we sit here on August 12th, second day of the official Final 16 of the playoffs. And we have the Leafs not involved. They don't have their first round pick because that was part of the Marlowe deal, shipping Marlowe off to, I think it was Carolina at first before he went to Pittsburgh. Carolina has our first. The cap's not going up. The NHL has lost a lot of revenue with not having any fans in the stands and concession sales. Concession stale. Sales, easy for me to say. Cap's not going up much. Actually, it's not going up at all. $81 million, it'll probably stay at. Leafs got some contracts coming up the books. Cody Ceci, Tyson Berry, who's been a big disappointment. So they'll have some room, but not enough. Someone's got to go here. And just off the top of my head, the, the easiest guy... To unload would be William Nylander. Who, yeah, I thought played a horrible series. Sorry, a horrible game five. Not a horrible series. I thought Nylander played a horrible game five. But at the end of the day, he was put in a position where he wasn't able to succeed. Nylander is in play center. So for everyone that wants to get on Nylander, I get it. He's always been the whipping boy. Just based on you know the amount of money that he makes and the whole history with his contract negotiation, he's always been the whipping boy. But he had four points in five games in the series. And I know he didn't show up for game five, but he also played a position he barely plays. So we'll see where this goes from here. The Leafs have a lot of time. A lot of time to figure this out. They're, you know The NHL... The next season probably won't start till December, maybe even January. They have some time to figure this out. And in my mind, although they have to work with this roster and and, and change this roster in, in varying ways, different ways, whether it be through free agency, trade, overseas signings, whatever that may be, One thing that I'm going to leave everyone with is this is now going to be Kyle Dubas being put on the hot seat. I don't know how it can't be. This team has his fingerprints all over him or all over it. Kyle Dubis for the first time in his with his the first time in his tenure with the Leafs is going to start feeling the heat. Brendan Shanahan too. Because it's Brendan Shanahan's guy, right? Kyle Dubis is Shanny's boy. The pressure's on for Kyle Dubis. And I gotta say, it's it's time for MLSC. To start asking some questions. Because MLSE 
they know what a winner looks like. It took a while, but they know what a winner looks like. TFC has shown great success over the years, making it to three straight finals before this year and winning an MLS championship. And oh yeah, how about those Toronto Raptors? NBA champions locking up second place in the East and are ready to contend to go back-to-back this year in the Orlando bubble in the NBA. So MLSC knows what a winner looks like. It's time for MLS for MLSE. It's time for MLSE to start asking some questions to Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan. Because there's no reason why the Leafs shouldn't be in the final 16 of the NHL playoffs. You know it's been a while. Uh, the hope is for me to release some consistent podcasts, especially now that we have sports back. So I had to come out with this. I had to come up with some. I had to come out with some of my takes. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed. It's going to be a while, you know, before we can together dissect some of the Leafs' play. But I'm sure we'll be. We'll have a lot of information. Uh, busy off season for this team that I'll be able to talk about on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and take it easy.